0: You are mighty, you are mighty, you are worthy, you are worthy, You're worthy of
1: praise,
0: a praise I will fall. See hey.
2: Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here. What a beautiful day outside. While you're standing, go ahead and welcome those around you. All right, you may return to your seats. You may be seated. Let me just welcome you once again to Northside Baptist Church. We are thankful that you are here. Well, school's out for the summer. Any kids excited about that? Any parents excited about that? There you go, a couple of parents. Uh, are excited about that. So, right, we enter into summer mode uh, here in Northside. Got a lot of stuff going on, and we'll go over some of those at the end of the service, some things that you need to be aware of that are happening this week, um, later this month and next month. Uh, but right now, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here today. If this is your first time, we are thrilled uh, to have you worship with us. If this is your first time, we would appreciate if you would let us know there's a couple of ways you can do that. There's a QR code in the bulletin. You can scan that, um, fill out some information about yourself, or there's a connect card out in the foyer if you'd rather write it down. Uh, but if this, is, if this is your first time being here, thank you for being here. Um, we're thrilled to have you with us. Um, this Tomorrow is Memorial Day, right? And so it's a three-day weekend for many people. Um, Typically, we think the pools start to open and we get together and we grill, we have hot dogs. And unfortunately, uh, what's happened, I think, over the years is we have forgotten, many people have forgotten what tomorrow really is all about. Um, So as I was thinking about this yesterday, I came across a really good article written by Kevin DeYoung talking about Memorial Day and how we as Christians can honor that and remember that. And one of his points that I thought was really helpful that I'm just going to read and then we're going to have a time of prayer He says, love of country can be a good thing. As Christians, we have dual citizenship. Our first and ultimate allegiance must always be to Christ, whose heavenly dwelling is our eternal home. But we are also citizens of an earthly country. We will stand before God, not as individuals, white, clean of all earthly nationality, but as people with distinct languages, cultural affinities, and homelands. It is not wrong to love our distinct language, culture, or nationality. Whenever I'm at a ball game, I still get choked up during the singing of the national anthem. I think this is good. Love for God, I thought this was helpful, love for God does not mean we love nothing else on earth, but rather that we learn to love the things on earth in the right way and with the right proportions and priorities. Love of country is a good thing. And it is right to honor those who defend the principles that make our country good. So what I want to do this morning is I want to spend a few minutes in prayer. We've done this a couple times. I'm going to ask you to do it again. The way this looks is you just kind of break up and near some people that are with you, and you just spend some time in a group praying. One person can pray. Each of you can pray just short prayers. And then after a couple minutes, I'll just get up, and I'm just going to start praying. You may still be praying in your group. That's all right. You can just stop, and then I'll pray for us. What I want your focus to be, as you gather up in groups to pray, is one, gratitude for the country in which we live. There are a lot of concerns. There are a lot of issues that have us thinking about the direction, but the reality is this is still the greatest country on planet Earth, and so we're to be thankful for that. Um, Sometimes we focus too much on the negative, so this morning, I'm just going to ask you to focus on the positive. Just be thankful and then at the same time, be very mindful in remembering the men and women who gave their lives because they believed in the values of this country. They stood to defend this country and they gave everything for this country. And so this gets a little chaotic, I know, but if you'll just go ahead, grab some people around you, start praying, and then I will pray for us in just a couple minutes. Most gracious Heavenly Father, your people have gathered this morning to worship you, to sing your praises, and we've already done that. We've declared that you are holy. We have sung about how you are the the Lamb, the risen Lamb, who was slain but who is now alive, the resurrected, reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. God, as we gather to worship you, it is, I pray, the desire of our hearts that we would love you more than anything in this world. Then, God, we also pray that as we love you first, as you are supreme, you would then teach us how to rightly love all of these good, incredible gifts that you've given to us. Father, teach us how to rightly love this country that we call home. Recognizing that we are dual citizens, that, that being with you in the new heavens and the new earth, a heavenly citizenship, that's ultimately our eternal forever home. But God, you have placed us here. And so, Father, we want to be men and women who are grateful and thankful for this place that we can call home, where we can live, the freedoms that we have. Father, may we not take that for granted. And Lord, we know that there's a lot wrong. America seems to be fractured and, and broken. God, maybe in ways that we just haven't been in our history. And God, we're just trusting that you, in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, will heal our land. But we know that only comes through repentance. It comes through your people returning to you, first and foremost, and Praying then that as we share the gospel, lost people will come to you and then their hearts will be transformed so that they rightly love you above all things and then out of that rightly love everything else. So Father, thank you for this country. And God, today and tomorrow we are particularly thankful for the sacrifice of so many men and women. God, in the sermon this morning as we wrap up this entrusted series, we're going to talk about using our gifts and our talents to serve you, to serve our brothers and sisters, to advance the gospel. When we think of service, when we think of serving, God, one of the first things that we think about are the men and women who serve this country. This room is filled this morning with men and women who served. And the reality is many of those men and women served alongside other men and women who never made it home who never got to hug a neck again, who never got to see a family member again, who gave up their lives in the midst of that battle and that war. Father, they have family members, even today, who grieve. Maybe they lost that loved one last week, or maybe it was 40 years ago, but they still grieve. There's an empty part in their life. So, Father, we just come thanking you for them, but also lifting up and praying for their families. God, that they would continue to draw their strength from you. That they would understand that there is hope in Jesus Christ, even in the hardest, worst circumstances. So God, we come to you. And we just lift up and express our gratitude, God, for your goodness. And the fact that though a few in this room chose move to this country for the majority of us god that wasn't a choice that we made we were blessed to be born here we were graced with the gift of calling america our home and so we just thank you for that we offer up our hearts of gratitude continue to be glorified as we sing our praises up unto your name in jesus name we pray amen would you stand let's continue to worship together Thank you, choir and Miss Gina. Praise the Lord; He is all we need. All right, at this time, our kiddos are going to make their way out for children's church. Everyone else will take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve. We are going to this morning finish up our series entitled "Entrusted." A life of stewardship and then next week we are going to start a series on the book of Esther Um, and we will spend all summer in the book of Esther and I will say more about that next week but I love the book of Esther Um, so fascinating to me to see God work in in that book and so let me encourage you I know it's summertime summertime if you're if you're gonna be gone a couple weeks in the summer just to, at some point, once the sermon is loaded, just to keep up. Don't, don't miss out. Every chapter is absolutely important in the story, and so you want to keep up with that. But this morning, <clears throat> stewardship. Stewardship. Let me remind you, stewardship is this idea that God owns it all. He owns it all, and therefore you own nothing. You and I are simply stewards. We are managers. God has entrusted certain things to us. And we've looked specifically at how God has entrusted to us money, our treasure. And we are to faithfully steward that and honor the Lord in that. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at time and how we're to honor the Lord with our time. And this morning, I want to come to the last one. And because I'm trying to keep with the T's, we're going to call it talents. But it's really talking about gifts, more specifically spiritual gifts. But our talents, the gifts that the Lord has given us. So Romans chapter... 12. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? Beginning in verse 3 of Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our teaching, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You may be seated. I'm going to draw your attention this morning to six truths. Some of these points we'll go through quickly. Six things that I want us to think about, notice when it comes to gifts and talents. Number one, and and you won't have anything on the screen, so I'll try to repeat it a couple times if you're taking notes. But number one, gifts and talents are sovereignly given by God. Your gifts, your talents are sovereignly given by God. God. If you look at our text, let me just point out a couple of phrases. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me. Paul says the grace, God's grace that I didn't deserve that was given to me. And in this context, he's speaking of gifts. He then says in verse 3 that God has assigned. So God has assigned. Uh, Verse 6 says to the grace given to us. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we'll reference a couple times, where Paul's also speaking about gifts, and in the chapter 14, verse 18 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So the all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign creator has uniquely gifted you. He has uniquely gifted each one of you. Now, when we think about when we think about gifts and talents, we have to distinguish between natural gifts and talents, and then the spiritual or supernatural gifts. And we've talked about this since since I've been here at Northside. But let's think about natural gifts quickly. Natural gifts are given to both believers and unbelievers. So some of you just naturally you are artistic. Since you were little, you could draw. Not me. Like some of you are just naturally gifted in that some of you are just naturally gifted when it comes to music both believers and certainly unbelievers are gifted when it comes to music or you're athletic none of those apply to me I'm not artistic I'm not musical and I'm not athletic some of you have been gifted with public speaking maybe this is my only natural gift is i've just always been decent at being able to get up and speak publicly some of you in class you know some people get up and they have to do a report and you're like oh my goodness this is so boring like this person is like the boringest person ever and some people get up and they can just communicate in a very gifted natural way some of you can build anything with your hands if i put it in front of you you don't even need the stinking directions I need the directions and have to put it together three or four times before I get it right. I'm just not gifted in that. Some of you, you can cook anything. Like anything you put in the oven, or you do in the kitchen, like it turns out incredible. You are just naturally gifted in some of these areas. But what Paul's speaking of here is not natural gifts, but spiritual gifts. Gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, that are given only to those who are believers in Christ followers of christ who have the holy spirit in dwelling them and in these verses paul mentions several of them now listen the sermon this morning is not an in-depth study into spiritual gifts i'm not getting into that i just want you to know you have gifts and i'm going to encourage you about those gifts but some of the ones he mentions here in these verses prophecy service teaching exhortation leading mercy encouragement right god has gifted you in a, with a spiritual gift so here's the question How has the Lord gifted you? What natural gifts has the Lord blessed you with? How has the Lord gifted you spiritually? What is your spiritual gift? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Because the Lord has gifted you, naturally and spiritually. He's the sovereign one who gives gifts, which leads to point number two. The gifts God gives are varied they're varied they're various look what he says in verse four for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function in the scriptures we see many different metaphors given to help us understand the church of jesus christ we see the metaphor of the bride of christ and here in this text we see the image the metaphor of the body of christ And so he speaks to help us understand what the church looks like and how she is to function. He speaks about the physical body. And think about your body. You have one body. You don't have ten bodies. That'd be weird. You have one body. One body, but not just one member. Many members, many individual parts that make up your one body. And the members of your body, this isn't rocket science, they don't all have the same function. Your foot and your hand have two different functions. Now some of you can walk on your hands. That's impressive. I can't. You walk on your feet. You have, they have different functions. So one body, but many members. The same is true for the body of Christ, the church. We are one body. there is unity in the body. But yet there are many members. There is diversity in the body. So Romans chapter 12 verse six says, "Having gifts that differ, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us." At First Corinthians chapter 12 verse four we read, "There are varieties of gifts." So here's the principle when it comes to the church. We are one, unity, unified, but not the same. We're diverse. In other words, God doesn't, and I've said this before, God doesn't make cookie-cutter Christians. We're diverse. Look around the room. We don't all look the same. Hallelujah. we got different shades of of skin color, right? Um, We're different. We have different backgrounds, different experiences, And we have different gifts. So when you are saved by Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit begins to indwell you, we don't all have the same gift. We don't all have the gift to preach. If we all were preaching, guess what? There would be nobody to listen. right? So we have different gifts, different strengths. We're diverse. You guys know my love for sports. Consider sports. Take a football team who's out there on offense. You have 11 players. You don't have 11 quarterbacks out there. You'd have nobody to catch the ball because quarterbacks typically don't catch, they throw. You'd have nobody to block for them. They would be like 180 pounds going up against a bunch of 300-pound linemen. They would get killed. you got to have different positions. Take a baseball field. you got nine guys on the field. You don't have nine pitchers. Pitchers typically don't hit, especially when they get to the major leagues. you got to have people who can hit. you got to have people who can field the ball. Take basketball. You don't have five, seven-footers. They'll get every rebound, but nobody's going to be able to get that ball past half court because very few seven-footers know how to dribble. Right? You have different gifts, different skills. So the gifts God gives are diverse. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Now, we are all to be encouraging some of you have the gift of encouragement like you are just gifted at being able to encourage people some of you have the gift of administration some of you have the gift of teaching others have the gift of leading now you've got to know your own heart where are your strengths where are your weaknesses you don't have every gift so i if you if you think about me as a pastor i think i would say i have the gift of teaching i can teach my strength is not the gift of leading i don't have that spiritual gift and that doesn't mean i don't have to lead it just means when i need i need lots and lots of help but some of you have the gift of leadership that's the gift the lord has given you and you're strong but you're like pastor i can't teach like i've been willing i'm just not good at teaching and so you find your gift we recognize that we are one but we are not the same there's diversity John Wooden, legendary UCLA basketball coach, had this philosophy that when a player scored, he was always to recognize the person who passed him the ball. That's called an assist. So, right, so Landon's back there in the sound booth, so if I've got the ball and I pass to Landon and he scores, he scored, but I assisted. I could have shot the ball, but I assisted. And so he told his team, you are to recognize the person who passed you the ball. So back when he was coaching high school, he had a player say, hey, coach, won't that take up too much time? Like if we're playing the game and i got to stop to recognize. And so Coach Wooden said, listen, I'm not asking you to run over there and give him a big hug every time he passes you the ball. A simple nod will do. He was teaching his players, you're a team. It's not an individual, you're a group of people working together, recognize the other people who help you have success. Church, you and I need to recognize that every member of Northside has gifts. Everyone in this room, you are gifted. It's diverse, so let's acknowledge that. But let's celebrate the diversity of gifts. If you see where somebody is gifted and where they are serving, encourage them, thank them. Like, let them know, I recognize, I see, thank you for serving. Number three, the gifts, right, that God has sovereignly given to us, the gifts that are diverse, these gifts are to be used. They're to be used. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, when I was looking up these words in the Greek, the phrase let us use them, there were no Greek words popping up. It's because when you translate it to English, right, you got to make it where it's readable. But Paul didn't even have to put in the Greek words, let us use them, because the assumption is what? You're going to use them. Like if the Lord's gifted you, you're going to put them into practice. So hear me. God doesn't give you gifts so you can keep them a secret and keep them hidden. Like walking around like, man, I've got this gift, but nobody knows. So, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to thank Jesus for this gift, but nobody knows where I'm gifted. He gives you gifts so you can use them. Consider the physical body. You got a foot, two feet. Actually, you got two hands, you got eyes and ears. Use them, right? Some of you, they're not working as well as they used to, and you wish they worked better. Like, I was thinking about my body. I don't know if anything, like your main things, work properly. I've got to have glasses or contacts my hearing is not the way it's supposed to be um it's like it's like my goodness like nothing works the way it's supposed to. I've got to have these this help and these aids to help me. We got to use them. God's gifted you. Use them. So here's the question. How do we use them? That's point number 4 and point number 5 and where we'll spend some time this morning and that is number 4. The gifts God gives are to be used for his glory. The gifts, natural and spiritual that God has gifted you with and you Should know what they are, or you should want to know what they are, God has given them to you to be used for His glory. So look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. The gifts God gives are to be used for His glory. And not self glory. Not so that we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but rather to use them for God's glory. So let's think about self glory for a minute. As I was thinking about that this week, I just wrote down three things. Self glory would be using your gifts to exalt yourself. So I mentioned this several weeks ago the illustration of singing. So if God's given you the gift to sing and you want to come sing with the choir or you want to do a solo, self-glory is you're up here singing because you want everybody to know how well you can sing. Self-glory is God's given me this gift, but what I really want to do is I want to use this gift so I can be famous, so that people know my name. That's self-glory. That's not why you serve. You don't serve to be patted on the back. Now, it's important that you are encouraged, that we recognize your gifts, but let other people recognize you. Don't recognize yourself. Like you don't, after you sing, get in the car and say, hey, what would you all think? Like I don't get in the car when I leave and say, Ryan, what would you think about my sermon? She's welcome to give me advice, but I don't want just to ask so she's patting me on the back. That's not why we do what we do. So that's number one. Self-glory is using gifts to exalt self. I think that's a given. But then I wrote down this down, self-glory is questioning God about the gifts that he gave. Self-glory would be, God, I know you gifted me, but I think you messed up. I don't really like the gift that you gave me. I think I could have done it better myself. I've shared this before. My brother, and I I hope one day to have my brother and his wife come and and lead worship here. He's a worship pastor in Texas. They're both phenomenally gifted. My brother, his entire life could sing. I mean, he would do plays, he would sing, he would sing in front of church. And I remember there was a period when I was younger thinking, God, why can't I sing? Like, why didn't you give me that voice? I want to sing. I want to be able to praise you. I've told you this. If I could sing, I would sing everywhere I went. I I can't sing, right? I, I can make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's the only singing that I do. And so, right, as I was younger, I had to come with grips. Listen, God's will for me was not to give me a voice that I could sing. God's will was to give me a voice so that I could teach and preach. And so maybe you look around at other people and see how they're serving, and you see their gifts, and you think, God, why couldn't I have that gift? Why couldn't you give me... This gift. If that's you, if you aren't content to say, Lord, this is how you've wired me, this is how you've gifted me, this is how you want me to use my talents, then you're about self and not the glory of God because our God doesn't make junk and he doesn't mess up. He's gifted you for a specific reason. And then number three, self glory is not using your gifts because you're anxious, you're nervous, you're scared. That's ultimately about self-glory. God's given you a gift, a spiritual gift. Why? To, if we're going to get to it in just a moment, to build up, to edify the church, but also to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you say, God, I know you've given me a gift, but I'm too scared, too nervous to step out in faith and use it, then here in my heart, you're really more concerned with self than you are the glory of God. Now, is it scary to step out in faith? Absolutely. If you know in your heart, Listen, God's given you the ability to teach. You're just scared to death to do it, and you're not willing to do it because of fear, then you're more concerned with self than you are using the gift that God has given you for his glory. So let's not be people who are about self-glory, but let's be people who are about God's glory. And that leads to number five. And the main point I want to drive home this morning, and that is this. this The gifts God gives are to be used for edifying the church. They're to be used for edifying the church. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, individually members one of another. Right? You have individual members in your body, but they are one. We, as the church at Northside, individual members, but you come together, we call church membership, to unite with the body of Christ here at Northside. 1 Corinthians 14, dealing with spiritual gifts. Listen to just a couple phrases. Upbuilding and encouragement. That's verse 3. Verse 5, that the church may be built up. Verse 12, strive to excel in building up the church. Think about the physical body. Physical body. The body needs to be healthy. Your body is the most healthy when the individual members are healthy and functioning correctly. You are the most healthy when all of your individual members are healthy. Ryan and I both woke up yesterday with back pain. I was like, Ryan, I think that just means we're getting older. Like, I heard somebody say once you hit 40, it's like everything begins to hurt and then it just starts hurting worse and worse and worse, the older you get, right? So some of you, if you're in your teens or 20s, enjoy it now. Your members are functioning correctly. Listen, it just takes one body part to go rogue, to become unhealthy, and it could kill you, right? It could could literally cause you to be debilitated. It could cause you so much pain. 99% of your body's healthy, but 1% is doing its own thing, and you're like, man, this isn't good. So your body has to be healthy. But number two, the body needs to be connected. Your fingers are connected to your hand, which is connected to your arm, which is connected to your body, which is being governed by the brain, telling it what to do. A severed arm does you no good. It's got to be connected. So let's take that, the physical body, and let's apply that to the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ, you have the church universal, that's all Christians of all time, but I'm specifically, for our purposes, talking about Northside. Individual members who led by God to partner with Northside. To say, this is our church home. The body of Christ needs to be healthy. And if we are to be the healthiest, that means every single one of us needs to be healthy spiritually. Every one of us. That means every one of us, for us to be at our healthiest means every one of us needs to be praying. Every one of us needs to be dependent upon God. Every one of us needs to be studying God's Word, not Sunday mornings for 30 minutes, but every day in God's Word. Every one of us needs to be encouraging one another, needs to be serving one another, needs to be giving to the work of Jesus Christ. Every one of us needs to be sharing the gospel. Because here's the reality. It only takes one spiritually unhealthy member of a church who decides to go rogue to make an entire church come falling apart it only takes one person who decides to spread gossip and lies only one person to say hey i'm not happy so i'm going to seed division in this body only one person who becomes bitter only one person who can't control their anger Only one sexual sin that takes place between one member and maybe another, or something else that happens. And listen, that includes your pastor. Your pastor has to be healthy spiritually. You have to be healthy spiritually. It's why all of us in this room need to constantly be examining our hearts to say, Jesus, am I growing? Am I healthy? Because it only takes one of us that could cause this whole thing that God is doing to try to Make it crashing down. But the second thing is this. The body needs to be connected. If you're a member of Northside Baptist Church, then you are members one of another. We didn't force you to do that. You voluntarily chose under the leading, the direction of the Holy Spirit to be connected. So be present and be active and build relationships. And ask this question. When's the last time you walked up to somebody in this room and said, hey, how can I pray for you? Young and old, older, coming together. On both of you, young students going up to the adults, and the adults coming up to the students and just saying, hey, how can I pray for you? And even if you've got to humble yourself and say, I'm sorry, I don't even know your name. But would you tell me your name? How can I pray for you? And then here's the kicker actually pray for them like it's just a simple way you get to know people hey how can i pray for you and then in a couple of weeks follow up with them hey i've been praying for you how's this going like being connected years ago in a special olympics the boys were running Uh, a particular race and one runner named Andrew was faster than the others and Andrew was coming around the the last corner to, to the home stretch and he was about 50 yards ahead of everyone and everybody was just screaming run Andrew run Andrew and as he was running out of the corner of his eye he noticed his best friend in a far lane fell down. Andrew stopped running went back helped his friend up and together they crossed the finish line in last place to the entire stands, cheering them on. Question, did Andrew win? That all depends on how you define win. If you define win as he got first place, then nope, he lost because he got last place. But if you say in that moment, winning is caring for your friend when he's fallen, caring about him more than you care about yourself, going back to help him, then yes, Andrew won. The men and women and boys and girls in this room They are your family. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. And a significant priority in your life ought to be building them up, encouraging them, and saying, listen, we can't be a healthy church unless we do this and build this together. And so we're concerned with one another. So God's given you gifts. Use them for His glory And for edifying the church, and that leads me to my last point. The gifts God has given you doesn't make you inferior or superior to the rest of the body of Christ. The gifts that God has given you doesn't make you inferior or superior to the rest of the people in the body of Christ. So are you feeling superior this morning? Because the reality is some of you have gifts in which you're in front of people more than the others. Some of you, your gifts are more behind the scenes. Some of you, your gifts, teaching, singing, you're in front of people. So are you tempted to think, wow, I've got a better gift than you. I'm superior to you. Like some of you may falsely think that I'm the most important person in this church. That is absolutely incorrect. I'm not. Now, God's called me to pastor. There's a a weight to that. There's a calling to that. But listen, if you're expecting me and me alone to make this church healthy, we are all in big trouble. I'm just telling you that right now. It takes all of us. So maybe you say, Pastor, I don't feel superior. I feel inferior. Like I see how some of these men and women are serving and how gifted they are, and I'm not gifted in that way. I don't know if I could serve in that way. Capacity, and or maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I'm just I'm getting older and I can't do as much as I could. And so you're struggling with that and you're feeling inferior or jealous of other people's gifts. What would our individual members say if they each had a brain? It makes me think of, I was a wizard of oz if I only had a brain. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul kind of plays this out. What if each of your individual members had a brain? He says, For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Like if our individual parts had brain, I wonder what our big toe would think. I wonder what our ears would think. I wonder what our feet would think. What if our feet would think, man, I wish I were the hands. The hands are seen. Right? Seldom do we cover it up unless we're freezing. The feet are almost always covered up. But our individual members don't have brains. And Paul's point is, each of those members have a purpose. And they are to function according to their purpose. Listen, each of you are gifted. You may say, Pastor, my gift, I tend to see it's more of an ear. I have the, right, the gift of encouragement. So I want to listen to people And I want to encourage, maybe you would say your gift is more the the mouth, right? You're speaking, you're teaching, or maybe you would say your function is more of the hands, like you have just the gift you want to serve people, or right the gift of mercy, whatever it may be. Maybe some of you would say, Pastor, I just feel like the big toe And all this. You ever hurt your toe? Stubbed your toe? I dislocated my toe when I was in high school. You would not think one little toe would cause you that much pain and cause you to limp the way I was limping. Listen, every single one of your members of your body have a purpose and they matter. And hear me, every single one of you matter. Whether you think those gifts are big or small, use them. Why? Please hear my heart. I'm going to share my heart for a moment. Why am I challenging you to use your gifts and leverage them For the glory of god and to edify the church why am i challenging you to use your time for the glory of god and for the building up of the church and the furthering of the gospel why am i challenging you to use your treasure and your finances to do those same exact things hear me because when you do it my life is changed and when you use your time and your treasure and your talents the men and women in this room, their lives are not the same. Our kids will not be the same. Our students will not be the same. When you serve Jesus and you serve other people, you are making an eternal, significant difference. And I don't care how small you are. Lani, will you put this picture up on the screen? This was this past Wednesday night. Ms. Janet has been doing our K through 5th grade discipleship, and what she did is she asked one representative from each grade to come up, and they, she's teaching them how to gather around people, and as the scripture says, to lay hands on them. And each one of them prayed out loud for me. Some of you are thinking, I would not pray out loud for nothing right now. Why? Because you probably weren't taught when you were that age that it's good and right to do it. This right there may seem insignificant. They're kids. They can't give money. They can't really serve. This right there is one of the greatest impacts I've had in my almost 20 years of ministry. They did that, they made a difference. So, maybe you think, Pastor, what can I really do to make a difference? You can absolutely make a difference right now. But you got to take the gifts that the Lord has given you and you got to start using them to minister to other people. All right, Laney, you can take that off. So, this week, I did some reminiscing. A little bit last week, too. And I've, and I've encouraged you to do this before. Right? We're talking about remembering tomorrow. So I've just been doing some remembering of the people who had an impact in my life. People like Stephanie Cowan, and all these people were from Central Baptist when I was a student, because those were just foundational years in in my life. I think of Stephanie Cowan, who when we moved to Kentucky from Ohio in the seventh grade, and I was angry and mad and didn't want to be there and was disconnected and didn't really want to get involved in the youth, she kept encouraging me to go on a trip in that fall to Gatlinburg for Christ Committed. She didn't let up. She kept, she knew I needed to be there and she encouraged me and I went and my life was forever changed. I think of an individual by the name of Gary Stansberry, who was my middle school Sunday school teacher. Or Lewis Willen, and I know these names mean nothing to you. Lewis Willen, who was my youth choir director and took us on youth choir trips. I think of a man by the name of Gene Knoll. Would have been a senior citizen. Was older, but he sang in the choir with my mom, and he was just a a a family friend to our family, loving on us and praying for us and encouraging us. I think of Tony Cecil, who was my youth pastor and a friend and later by marriage through Ryan became a a family member, a relative. I think of Rhonda Stone, who when I was in middle school and high school became my prayer partner and I know faithfully prayed for me day after day. I think of my parents who not only raised me but were my Sunday school teachers when I was in high school. Listen to your pastor's heart. I am where I am today, standing before you chiefly, primarily because of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' sovereign plan, in the summer of 1992, he moved me to Winchester, Kentucky, where we started attending Central Baptist Church, where he greatly used, hear me, normal, ordinary people who forever changed and shaped my life each of them uniquely gifted each of them concerned with god's glory each of them concerned with building up and edifying the body of christ and my life was forever changed so two things number one because sometimes it's good to go down memory lane who are those people in your life who are the godly men and women ordinary, normal men and women gifted by God who saw you, loved you, poured into you, encouraged you. For some of you, they're the people in this room because this is the only church you've known. For some of you, you think back to the town you grew up in or the college you went to and the church that loved on you while you were there. There were people who were instrumental in your life. Be thankful for them. Remember them. I've told you before, every now and then it's good to reach out to them and just thank them for what they've done. But here's my other challenge to you who are you impacting can anybody in this room do they think of you do they think of you because you taught them in sunday school when they were little or do they think of you because you just take time every week or every couple of weeks just to go up to them and say hey how are you i'm praying for you like who are the people that you are impacting it doesn't have to be the next generation Yes and amen, let's do that. But what adults are you having an impact on? Listen, you're ordinary, normal people just like me. Who's been uniquely gifted by a sovereign God. Who empowers you through the Holy Spirit to use those gifts. For His glory. For edifying the church. So that lives will forever be changed. So, church Leverage your time. Leverage your talents. Leverage your finances. And when you stand before God, you will have no regrets. Because you didn't waste your life. You recognized you owned nothing. You were a steward of all that God had entrusted to you. And all you wanted was to hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. So be faithful. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads father we thank you for the men and women who have impacted our lives who god have forever changed our lives through their faithful service they're praying for us they're encouraging us they're ministering us they're loving us god right now i just pray part of what you're doing is just causing our hearts to be overflowing with gratitude for them but god also to do some some reflection and some introspection and just saying Lord, people have impacted me. Now am I using my gifts and my talents, as small as I may think they are, for your glory and for the building up of the body of Christ? Father, thank you for every good gift that you've entrusted to us. Forgive us, God, for when we take those good gifts and make them the ultimate gift. Help us to tear down those idols in our life. To rightly place everything underneath you, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then teach us just to worship you, to serve you, and to tell others about Jesus. Because we never know, God, that person that you're going to bring into our path, whose life will be forever changed. Not because we have the power to save them because we don't have that power, but because we were simply willing to use our voice, to use our time, to use our treasure and our talents to recognize that what's ultimately at stake here is eternity. It's whether people know Jesus or they don't. And those that don't know Jesus, oh Lord, we want to tell as many people as we can so that they come to know Jesus. And those that we know who do know Jesus, we just want to encourage them so they remain faithful and steadfast in this race that we call life, that we all get to the finish line together, having been faithful to the Lord Jesus. Father, speak to our hearts as we worship. And may Christ, you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to worship together. If you need to come pray, the altar, as always, is open. Come and pray.
0: My hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine! I can see all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark. By my side, the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my Shepherd will. the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon and he was raised to overthrow the grave to this I hold my sin has been defeated Jesus now Yeah.
2: Amen. You may be seated for just a couple minutes. We have a lot going on, so I want to highlight some of those. Uh, so we have no evening activities um, tonight, so just be uh, mindful of that. But this week, we have summer kickoff. That's Wednesday night, May 31st. We got a, a nice sized tent out there. Last year it was really hot. I don't think this year is supposed to be as hot. But that's from 630 to 830. That is church-wide. We're going to have hot dogs and chips and water and bingo, and just there's going to be some inflatables and all that good stuff. So kids, seniors, everybody, just come, connect, build relationships, talk to people, get to know one another. So that's Wednesday. Next Sunday is Promotion Sunday. So we don't have a normal Sunday school. We're doing this. We did this last year. It was very successful. It's to recognize kids who are moving up into a new class, but it's also just a Sunday for us to emphasize Sunday school. So I want to encourage you even though we're not having Sunday school, to come to fill this place during the time when we're going to recognize teachers and we're going to recognize um, those who are moving up and just to support them and encourage them. We'll have donuts, a couple other light refreshments, coffee, so um, come for that. International Food Night, that's next Sunday night. Please pay attention. Uh, that's always a great time. Next Sunday morning after the worship service, we got a youth Youth meeting and parents who are going to Snowbird, please note that all that you owe parents is $75. But we need that either today or next Sunday. If you don't have it today, that's fine. You can give that next Sunday and your forms are due. Vacation Bible School, last one. You can scan that QR code. All volunteers, all participants, you need to register. But next Sunday, uh, no, on June 11th, Immediately following the worship service, we're going to have a VBS volunteer meeting. I know we have some new volunteers this year. We just want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So please, please pay attention um, to those dates. And then just make sure you're very mindful, thankful, remembering, and honoring today and tomorrow um, as we uh, have Memorial Day and remember the men and women who gave their lives uh, for our freedoms. Chris is the deacon of the week, so he's going to come and close us with a word of prayer. If you'll stand, let's be dismissed with prayer. Dear Heavenly thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you for the beautiful weather you've given us. Um, I pray we would be good stewards uh, with our time, our treasure, and our talent to use for your honor and glory. I uh, pray for all the upcoming events the church is going to be doing. pray bless all those efforts that we, we have to disciple and evangelize. Um, Bring us back safely on Wednesday for our kickoff celebration. I ask this things according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.